Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I grew up reading comic books, and so I feel like I'm perfect for this job because I understand now how important it is that the fans recognize the costume, that they know that that is this character. Hi everyone, I'm Jamie Derringer. I'm Amy Devers, and this is Clever. And today we're talking to Gina DiDomenico Flanagan. She's a costume concept artist. What is that, you ask? We did too. We'd love it when we find out about creative people working in corners of the industry that we didn't really know existed. And we love sharing these stories with you because representation is everything. Jamie and I firmly believe that creativity is future-proof. Imagination and the skills to make something from nothing will never be automated or algorithmed. So to answer the question, a costume concept artist works with a costume designer to develop the illustrations and visuals that communicate the costume concepts for characters in movies, TV, and theater productions. This means deep character analysis, wild imagination, and the resilience required to work in the turbulent entertainment business. Gina studied fashion design and illustration at Parsons and now also teaches at UCLA. As for how she found her way into this line of work, well, we'll let her explain. So let's talk to Gina. My name is Gina DiDomenico Flanagan. I live in Thousand Oaks, California, and I'm a costume concept artist for TV and film. I guess I do what I do because of everything I've done that brought me to this point. Ever since I was little, I've been drawing, and that's all I know. So that's why I do what I do. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad you mentioned being little because we're going to start at the <laughs> yes. beginning. Um, oh, tell us about your formative years, your family, what kind of kid you were. I was born in Fremont, California, and I lived on one of those fabulous cul-de-sacs with the house at the end where all the kids were the same age and we all played in the cul-de-sac and, and roller skated after school and went to the 7-Eleven and, and got Slurpees and took our bikes to school and back. And it was fabulous. Um, I did that until I was 10 years old and my father was um, the president of Ghirardelli Chocolate. And so, so until I was 10, I had this great cul-de-sac, middle America experience, public school. And, and my dad was Willy Wonka, which kind of, I guess, pulled me a little bit out of the middle America experience. But I think it was because we had a just a charming little house. And, 
It was great. Unlimited chocolate? <laughs> like <laughs> unlimited supply you know, of chocolate? All I knew was that when it was time for the class to have a party that my dad would deliver to huge baskets of chocolate bars. And so I, I guess I was I was mildly popular because of the chocolate. I remember <laughs> we had a five pound bar that he would bring to school and everybody would break it up. Just those. Uh, remember that? Did, do you guys know Ghirardelli chocolate? Uh-huh. I mean, do you yeah. do you know the big, huge five pound bar? I mean, do you know? I think I've seen it's, it before. It's massive. It's it's yeah. just this big chunk of chocolate and magical to children. So it, it was fun. It was fun. How how big is it? Are we talking like uh, as big as a pizza or bigger? Bigger, thicker. Oh. Yeah, really big, like a big frame. It was big. So it was exciting, especially as a kid. Like a cinder block big? It's like it was two inches thick and, oh, God, 12 by 17 something. It's like a birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if they still sell them. I'm not sure, but but it was... But let me dig into that a little bit, because if your dad was the president, that also means he was probably a suit, right? And we're, are we talking a, the 70s? I was born in 63, so 63 to 73. Okay. Were the 10 years we lived in Fremont. I had that picture-perfect childhood where my dad was a suit. He went to work every day, and my mom volunteered and entertained all of my father's guests, and it was like a TV show. It was perfect. <laughs> and, and then what happened? You sort of left us with a cliffhanger. Then, yeah. Um, then when I was 10, my dad got tired of working for Ghirardelli and decided he was going to start his own company. And he moved us to the big island of Hawaii. And he bought a macadamia nut company. And we were moved to an incredibly remote area of the big island called Honoka. And uh, we had this this house on this hill and my dad was the president of Hawaiian Holiday Macadamia Nut Company. He, he bought this company and he used the Ghirardelli chocolate for 10 years. Then I lived in Hawaii and, and that was a talk about a complete about face because I drove to school. School was an hour away and we lived in the middle of a rainy area, two hours to, to the nearest town where all my friends were. But I got to tell you, it was, again, it was so different and so much fun. Absolutely so much fun to live in Hawaii. What a transition, because you had this social life on a cul-de-sac that transformed into this, I mean, natural wonderland. Hawaii is like completely different than than a cul-de-sac in terms of natural beauty and, you know, the universe operating in full force all around you. But socially isolating, it sounds like. Or did you make friends with the animals? Okay, so when we moved there, I think I must have been lonely because my parents bought me a horse. (laughs) And I would come home from school every day, and I would get on my horse, and I'd leave until dark. And and I'd travel around, I'd visit people, and I'd go down to the factory, and I'd go in, you know, into town a little bit. And we lived in, in the middle of cane fields. So I'd be all through the back of the cane fields looking for like new adventures. And I think about it now. And I think about when I was in Fremont and we got on, you know, into our roller skates and took off after school. And when I took off on my horse and how we were completely detached, no one knew where we were for hours. Mm -hmm. And now my kids, I'm like, if they're on find, I've got find my friends and I know exactly where they are all the time. And with our cell phones and we're in touch with people all the time. And 
I just think, wow, I could have been killed so many times. You know? <laughs> no one would have found me for weeks. No one ever even asked me where I was going on my horse. I would just get home and I'd leave. I, times were so different. And it was so, so much fun. You, you really got a sense of, of independence, you know, and adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That we're completely missing. The kids now are completely missing. Because their time is so structured. They can't make the choices that you could make. And you also had all that time on your horse to just, you know, conjure things up in your mind and go yes, on a lot seeking of thinking, adventure. No playing music. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. And now, you know, my daughter's on her phone every single second and other kids can see where she's at because they're constantly looking at where where the other person is. And Mm -hmm. there's no privacy or, or sense of independence. I'm really glad that you told us about that, because I think that is a really formative chapter of your life. And, you know, roller skates or horse I think it's just, it just depends on the landscape, right? However you have to get around. <laughs> a horse would have been yeah, really so weird I, on a cul-de-sac. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, that would be tough. That would totally. Be tough. But I have to say, I, I really am happy with my childhood. I feel like I was blessed. It in, sounds in both, awesome. Both worlds. I had two. Yeah. I feel like I had two lives, and and I feel like in my in my adulthood, I've lived two separate lives. Kind of. Well, you, I'll let you guys be the judge. Of we'll that. get into that. <laughs> um, so all this time on your horse, yeah. did you ever, using your imagination, is that kind of where your creativity came from? When I was young, I just drew all the time. When I was little, I was always drawing. And then as I went into high school and when we were in Hawaii, I got really into theater and I would paint all the, the sets. Through my whole youth, I would always get complimented on my art, even though it was just for fun and frivolous and cute. My folks were very academic based. They thought my artwork was charming. There wasn't anything serious about that. That was just kind of like what I do that's so amazing. But I, I would always get positive reinforcement. And thinking back, it always filled me up. Mm. When I was young, mm-hmm. I had no idea there'd be a career in art. And if you had asked my parents in those days, they would have told me, artists don't make any money. You can't, you can't make any money doing that. It's not to be taken seriously. It's just for fun. Yeah. And I kind of have a bit of anger about it yeah. uh, now because I, I think I was a late bloomer in terms of my art because of it. In those days, I don't think art was really regarded as a, as a real career. Hmm. At least in the 70s or 80s. Maybe I'm wrong, but that was my experience. Well, it was my experience too. So right now it's still a struggle to convince parents that you could be an artist and be financially, you know, secure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think now with digital art, I, I think digital art has changed the face of the business because we can work from anywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. I could I could live in France as long as my career was solid. I could probably have a full career from there or here. But I, yeah. I think we with digital art now, we have a lot more opportunity to, to have a, a career. Well, before we get deep into the career and the digital arts, let's talk mm-hmm. about the college years because already we've oh. been on we've been to Fremont and to Hawaii and yes. now we gotta get to New York City because you studied fashion design and we illustration do. at Parsons. Yeah, but, oh, it's embarrassing. Well, maybe not, because 
we all have our path, right? And sometimes there's this a big wide curve around to where we finally get to. So I was in the theater a lot in high school. So I thought I wanted to be an actress. I got into SMU in Dallas, Texas, and they had a really good acting school. And so I went there because I was not, I was not terribly good academically. And it was, it, it hurt me a lot that I wasn't great academically because my, my brother was all honors, had a 4.0, went to Stanford. And here I come, you know, I draw and I get like B's and C's in school. So I was not my parents. I wasn't, I didn't make them too terribly proud at that point because they, you know, like I said, they really responded to academics. Yep. So I went to SMU and after a couple of years, I realized that acting was not what I wanted to do. And I decided I wanted to see if I was an artist and because it was the only other thing that I felt that I had connection to. And so I went to the Academy of Art College in San Francisco and that school was fabulous. I took every class I could get my hands on. And so I did graphic design and, and fashion illustration, product design, packaging. I, I took every class I could to see if I, I felt any kind of connection. And after I was right when I was about to graduate, and I did really well and I felt really good. So we're in year now, I think four of college or five. <laughs> Frank Rizzo at Parsons saw my work and sat with me and said, okay, why don't you come to New York and be a fashion designer who can illustrate, which would secure, you know, a, a great career. And I said, okay, because I was obsessed with, I mean, Parsons, I mean, you don't, mm -hmm. you don't get asked to go to Parsons and say no. So, and I had learned a lot about Parsons by that time. And so I started basically over again. So by the time I graduated from Parsons, I had been in school for seven years. And my, my mom says I could have been a, a doctor. She still says I could have been a doctor, but I guess I could have been a doctor, <laughs> but instead I'm an artist. You couldn't have been a doctor. Listen to you. I could, I know, I know. <laughs> but I could have at least gone through the beginning of medical school, right? My mom, would, my mom and your mom could get together and talk about so much. I, I took forever oh, to get really? to school because I was figuring out my path like you. I just, you I were too. I was dissuaded from pursuing something that wasn't secure and logical. So. Right. In trying to incorporate their advice and my natural proclivities and my yearnings, you know, I it just took longer to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, I want to know your story. I, I would love to hear. Well, what, I think there's probably some, some real similarities because I also went to New York City and studied fashion, but I studied the business side because ah. I was trying to, to do that. Business seemed more practical and it seemed like a way to appease my parents like I was I was <sighs> using my creativity in a really practical you know mm -hmm. employable way mm -hmm. but I loved being in New York City and I got good grades at FIT I just didn't feel at home in fashion the fashion world wasn't for me and then I took several years finding my way to a serious art degree and I ended up getting an MFA from RISD in furniture design um, wow but 
in the amount of time it took me to do all that education, my my mom was just pulling her hair out with like, what the fuck is this kid doing? Right. And I think <laughs> partially it's their fault. If, if you had, if they had promoted our artistic qualities, if they had been proud of them, mm-hmm. uh, we would have found our way probably way sooner, but we would have missed all that education in between. I truly believe that everything I learned, even though I was wayward for a while. I was taking this long arc to get where I where I am. Everything I learned made me better at what I do now. I wholeheartedly agree. So it took me a while to get there. I used to, yeah. you know, bemoan my parents not supporting my my creativity, and now I'm like, yeah. actually, that made me tougher yeah. and stronger. And so, thank you yeah. in a weird way. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, in a weird way. But don't say it to them. <laughs> <laughs> So you went to Parsons and you got yourself into the fashion world. So I graduated. I did really well at Parsons. I was super happy there. And then I was hired by Bob Mackey to be his design assistant. And I couldn't get the numbers to work. I'm pretty sure you remember how much it cost to, to live in New York City. Mm-hmm. And what he was going to pay me versus the cost of living, I, I knew I had to leave. So I turned down the job. And I moved to Los Angeles because I thought New York, Los Angeles, where else is there a fashion industry, right? Mm -hmm. Moved to Los Angeles and got a job with Tina Hagen uh, Sportswear as the design assistant there. I spent a year working as her assistant and I could not relate to anybody in the fashion industry. It was so strange to realize that you have to not only find what you love, but you also have to serve the people in the business have to be your tribe. There's more pieces to the puzzle than just finding your passion. It's, it's the people and the passion, Mm -hmm. you know? So I knew I couldn't do it anymore. So I, I, and also, (laughs) this is another embarrassing thing about me, but I sat down at my first interview and she said, okay, we're going to hire you. You'll have Christmas, a week off for Christmas and a week off during the summer. And she, she kept talking, but then I stopped hearing her because I'm staring at her thinking, wait a minute, I'm working every single day with two weeks off a year. And immediately I was like, I'm in a grave. Like how can, how could I come here every day and only have two weeks off a year? I just couldn't get past it. And now looking back, I realize why the movie industry is so perfect for me because we work insane hours and then we have a week or two off and they work insane hours. I mean, I work more in a year than I ever worked at Tina Hagen, but, but it's I in know bursts. it's, it's, it's in these bursts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's like a flexibility about it. And I think it's possibly also a match to pers- my personality type where you can't tell me I can't leave. <laughs> You can't tell me when I'm going to have a vacation. I'm going to get on my horse and get out of here. (laughs) I got the roller skates right here at my horse. (laughs) I I don't know how people do it. Honestly, I don't know how how they do it. It's like, oh, I'm taking my vacation time now. It's like, wait. Well, you're talking to two people, Jamie and myself, but Jamie couldn't do it either. Like working for the man just felt like too restrictive. And I think you're like this too, but... I needed to understand the system. I needed to know how things worked at the core level so I could tinker with it and make it the way I needed it to be or make it better. Mm -hmm. 
Janie too. I just couldn't get along with any of my bosses and just realized that I'm a better boss to myself. Oh, that's funny. Why Why do you think you couldn't get along with your bosses? Were they asking you to do something you didn't believe in or? No, I, I'm just my own. Per- I don't know. I'm just like my own. I work harder and better for myself mm-hmm. when I set my own goals, my own schedule and my own path. Mm-hmm. This is all similar, you know, being able to work, though some people love the comfort of knowing they go there every day, they arrive at this time, they leave at this time, they have this week off. And don't get me wrong, I am totally jealous of their steady paycheck, and I am totally jealous of their benefits and their security, and I wish I could live by that kind of routine. I honestly, I can feel a part of me craving it, but just not having... I just don't have it in my DNA to, to do that. Luckily in my industry, there are unions. And so I belong to the costume designers guild and through the guild, I have health insurance and I have job security in terms of my rate and they protect me. So as an artist, it's kind of like the best of both worlds. I'm an artist and yet I have all this solid ground like health insurance through this union, you can't really work unless you're part of the union, either the art director's guild or the costume designers guild or kind of, it's kind of perfect storm. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Because I'm not like painting and doing what I want and making my own hours, but, but then I have, you know, no security or no pension or none of that. I have all that. So I feel lucky. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Clever is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. A recent episode took Brad to Venice, where he connected with Eve Ubelman, a partner whose company, Econem, has developed a game-changing technique for creating digital architectural models so comprehensive they've been dubbed twins. During the relative quiet of the pandemic, Eve and his team used drone-captured photography and powerful AI to create a full-scale digital twin of Venice, a city threatened by climate change and over-tourism. On Tools and Weapons, Eve tells Brad how he's using this incredible technology to help preserve some of the world's most endangered cultural heritage sites in pristine detail so they can be studied and appreciated for generations to come. To stay current on some of the most innovative people working with AI today, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, clever listeners, we're getting excited for New York Design Week in May. This year will be better than ever. ICFF, North America's leading platform for contemporary design, will take place from May 19th to the 21st at the Javits Center in New York City. I'll be there, and I'm excited to let you know how Clever is collaborating with ICFF for Launchpad at Wanted, formerly known as Wanted Design Manhattan, and the Emerging Designer Showcase. Launchpad is an international platform for emerging designers that introduces new concepts and showcases prototypes of furniture, home accessories, and lighting. It is the best place for manufacturers to meet new designers, discover fresh ideas, and potential products to develop. The best of Launchpad winners will be selected by a jury of renowned industry professionals, led by yours truly. And they will go on to be featured in another edition of the popular Emerging Designers Showcase. I'll be leading the Emerging Designers Showcase live on the talk's main stage, where the five Launchpad finalists will have a chance to present their projects to our esteemed panel of professionals. It's always a really good time. So mark your calendars for Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. Both Launchpad and the Emerging Designer Showcase are presented with media partners Clever, that's us, and Design Milk, and with support from American Standard and Lumens. Visit icff.com to learn more and register to attend. Those are the letters icff.com. Come by and say hi. I would love to see you there. Support for Clever comes from Wix Studio. Instead of reading you another, let's be honest, boring ad script, Wix Studio just sent me this wild-looking Alice in Wonderland-themed website to scroll through and tell you about. So, whoa. This is not the web I'm used to. There's something called Mouse Parallax, which makes it feel like you can go deeper into the screen. And as I scroll down, it's like I'm falling down the rabbit hole. And things are moving in depth and perspective. Even my cursor has morphed into a glowing little orb. There are all these no-code animations that make this place feel organic and alive. And Alice is wearing some pretty cool shoes, by the way. Okay, I know I'm mixing up my narratives now, but we are definitely not in Kansas anymore. Your turn to go down the rabbit hole. Build your next web project on Wix Studio, the platform for agencies and enterprises. I am really interested in the idea of a costume concept artist. I just really want to know more about that. It sounds very magical. Ah, Um, (laughs) Yes, it's magical. (laughs) And obviously very conceptual. So can you talk a little bit about what that means? Yes. Okay. I go to work. And as a concept artist, costume concept artist, at the beginning of every concept, I will sit with the designer and she will talk to me about her vision. Then I receive uh, usually either the ACD, which is the assistant costume designer or one of the PAs will give me all the research now that's done. So for example, I just did this one character and what we had to do was we, they gave me all the research for what he looks like in the comic book. And then I get the the vision from the designer. I have to understand what she's looking for. And then I melt it together because I grew up reading comic books. And so I feel like I'm perfect for this job because my brother, Paul was like 
crazy about comic books and he got me into it when we were kids. And so I understand now how important it is that the fans recognize the costume, that they know that that is this character. And when you change mm-hmm. things up, like change colors or, or change the silhouette, it, they don't like it. So it's my job to create all these concepts that melt what the designer wants, what can function and what the fans want Hmm. and create. So I create all these concepts that we look at and pick pieces of each and we hone down, 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 down till we get to the, the concept that's going to be made. And then these illustrations or drawings that you're making is what gets passed around in the production offices to talk about the characters and figure out what's going to work and then start specking materials. And it's what the costume designer uses to communicate the idea and then bring in what she or he needs to make it happen. Right. Exactly. So we're now we're going to show the producer and the director uh, five of the 20 that we created. So we pick our favorite five. I clean them up. We pass them on. We get notes. So now we, we, we go through all these phases of notes and, and changes and adjustments. And then once we hit one, then it goes to network and network has to approve it and give us their notes. So I could work on one drawing for three months. I just finished Stargirl and we worked on Stargirl, who was the, who was the lead. Oh, I think I was on that drawing for five months. It, it means so important. And then once that, once it's approved, then I take the drawing and I've got to break it all down to what's hard parts, what are the soft parts, all the fabrics. The designer I work for, Laura Jean Chan, and she likes to print all her fabrics, all the patterns on them. So I have to create artwork that goes to the printer so that they can print on the fabric. And usually it's like, I also just finished the boys and uh, the lead character's symbol is an eagle. So we did this tiny eagle print on his fabric. That looks like chainmail, but if you look really, really close, it's an eagle. So we have a lot of fun with all the Easter eggs and, and, and all the things that we bring into every single element. So not only does, do we have to print the fabric, but then what's hard has to go to special effects. So they're looking at my drawing and they're building all the pieces that are hard using my drawing as reference. I'll do a back and a side and a front view. And then it'll go to the soft parts. And, and so, so there's soft, there's hard, there's special effects. Then uh, people have to, for example, like the mask has to be built in ZBrush and then printed 3D printed. So it's like a 3D program where it's like you're working with clay, but they're working in a 3D digitally. And then from there, they can print it on a 3D printer. Mm. It's, it's like, it's amazing. It's amazing <sighs> what, what one costume what one costume takes when it's done right. And this is for television, for movies. It's the quality that Laura Jean's putting out is, is incredibly high. So, so they're done beautifully. Yeah. I mean, it must be very exciting for you to be using drawing the thing you've loved to do your whole life as your main form of livelihood, but also your background in fashion, your understanding of garment construction, all of that, your sense of adventure, uh, your your graphic novels, like all of that seems like it's rolling up into this sort of wonderful composite. And you found your way to kind of the perfect career for you, which I love it. It's a heroic journey. 
It's crazy. Yeah. It like I, Oh, in Parsons, they made us sew clothes and I like three years of sewing and I wanted to die. <laughs> but now I know exactly. I know every name for every sleeve. I know exactly what kind of seams have to be. Um, so when I'm creating the concepts, I'm also figuring it out all the seaming and I, I can do flats and I can do everything. And so one really fun thing is the actors come in and in the preliminary fittings, we have them in these bodysuits and I have to draw on them all the seam lines that I created in the concept. Mm-hmm. So I have to mark them everywhere. Oh. And so I- Are you it's, sharpieing it's up naked fun. bodies? I, well, no, they're in a bodysuit. <laughs> 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 and I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to like touch you everywhere. And, and luckily they're so padded. They're like, it's fine. I don't feel it. It's fine. I don't feel it, you know, because they have muscles padded, you know, Uh none of them are as muscly as we need them to be. It's hysterical. I'm drawing on all these actors, you know, in their bodysuits. And it's just super fun. It's really fun. It's like the most fun a job I've ever had. And I've been doing this now for I finally broke into the superhero world about a little less than two years ago. And so that's been my my happy place. But wait, let's talk about your entire journey because I know that you took a 10 year break to be a mom, to have kids, which is, which Mm -hmm. is a really important choice to make. But I also know that, you know, leaving an industry and and reemerging or trying to come back into it is really tough. So yeah, what can you talk about in terms of that whole chapter? So I had three daughters and I worked a little bit after my first daughter was born, but by the time I had my second daughter, it was very difficult to work. So I was, when I left, at the top of my game. I was a working illustrator, full-time, movie to movie to movie, all A-list movies. Can you give us a sense and of like what year this was-ish? 1999, I left. 99. Okay, so, so sort yeah, of 2000. before the digital revolution. Oh, yes. I remember I was working for Ruth Carter and she said, who's just won the Academy Award. Yes. Amazing. For, for Black Panther. Uh, she said to me, yes, she said to me, you need, to, this is before I left. She goes, you need to really look at this computer thing. And I went over to where she was working and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, no way. And she's like, you got to think about it. And, and it was so archaic then. And I was like, no, no way. And I was also on Star Trek. I, I illustrated um, one of the Star Trek movies and First Contact. And I was in the production office there and they had a computer set up and I'm looking at it and, and the guy's showing me like, like what's good about it and what's flawed about it. And it was, just seemed so flawed at that time. I never, I just discounted it. So dumb. So then, so I left uh, the industry because I realized you really can't do two things well they're both going to suffer or one of them is going to suffer and I chose to have three children so you know I really wanted to be a good mom so I stayed with the kids until I got a divorce and when I got a divorce I knew I had to go back into the industry I had to start working I was unlucky in terms of I did not get child support or alimony and so Mm. I, I was very desperate to rebuild my career very quickly. And I reemerged and ev- the, all the players were basically gone that were there when I had been there before. And they were all young men and computers. And mm. I was stunned to say the least. 
I, I was a deer in headlights. I had no idea what to think or what to do. And I pulled out my light board and my paint and my bristle paper. And I went and did one job and they laughed at me. It was devastating. Oh my! I knew I had to learn what this whole computer thing was. And I started taking classes. I found a teacher because there was no class that would teach me how to be a concept artist, a digital concept artist. There was character development. There was scenic backgrounds. There, there were all, there was basic Photoshop. And so mm -hmm. I found out from the other concept artists what I had to do. Like, what is it that I have to learn? And they said, you want to work in Photoshop and you want a MacBook Pro and you want this and you want that. And you want a Cintiq. And I said, okay, so... I found a teacher that would give me private lessons. And I said, okay, I don't want to learn how to do Photoshop. I just want to learn how to get through Photoshop and create what I need to create. And I just showed him a picture of a digital costume illustration. I said, get me here, get me to this point where I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I, I took a year of private lessons with him, Patrick Rodriguez, who's absolutely fabulous. He's a a previs artist, incredible, really talented, works for Disney. He got me there, but it was a lot of tears. I, I honestly, I, I say this a lot, but I cried for a year. I was 50. Wow. Well, I just want to give you a high five, a pat on the back and a hug. Like, <laughs> I think it's really ballsy and badass. I mean, you had kids that you had oh. to deal with and you had to re get back into an industry where all the players had changed and all the technology had changed and you had to prove yourself at 50 years old. It was terrible. <laughs> I, was so, I was so scared. <laughs> it was rough. And what I found out recently is the, I'm the only person who has crossed over from the early years, from, from paint to digital. I'm the only person in my guild who's been able to do it. And so, so I'm, all of your I'm colleagues from happy. the time got weeded out by that force. And you, while you didn't know yeah. it was happening, you got, no. you just like <laughs> threw yourself back in. I was like, okay, this is what I have to do. I'll do it. Oh, <laughs> but aren't you glad yeah. you did? Don't you feel so? I am. I'm because I'm having so much fun now. I am. And now, and I was really like angry with the whole digital revolution. I didn't like it. I didn't like how it felt. I didn't like how it looked. I didn't like Everything about it I didn't like. I didn't like how young boys were doing it. Why are they doing costumes? Why are they interested in costumes? Why aren't they doing creatures or getting dirty somewhere? Why, you know, this is a girl's job. It just felt, it was feminine. We were painting beautiful pictures of girls in gowns and it was so nice. And now it, it just felt so different. I was angry. And finally, you know, when something clicks, and I think it's probably at about 10,000 hours, mm. if that's the rule, right? Mm. 10,000 hours, something like that. Well, probably at 10,001 hours, I was in love, completely in love with the Cintiq and digital art and Photoshop. And I could never go back ever. I love hearing that. And I also love, I think whether it's digital or just anybody learning a new skill and a new set of tools, fighting that fight through the 10,000 hours yeah. to get through yeah. to the other side can be so liberating and so empowering. Yeah. And it's really nice yeah. to hear even the change in your voice. And I love that you told us huh. about how angry you were because that's how you're taking us through your experience. I mean, we, yeah. we got to know the feelings. <laughs> yeah. 
But I got to tell you, though, without necessity, I couldn't have done it. There mm -hmm. was no choice for me. I was either going to take care of my kids financially or move, I guess, back with my mother. Yes. <laughs> Mom, who said you'd never make a living doing art. That wasn't oh, going to happen. That's, <laughs> that's oh, your necessity. <laughs> oh, she would have absolutely been like, mm-hmm, see? I told you not to marry him, and I told you not to be an artist. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was it was a wild ride, and and now all the boys are my best friends, and we do social things together. And I've forgotten that I'm way older than them, and they've forgotten somehow. <laughs> and we just have a great time together. We're we're a family. Yeah, we're a tight family. I want to talk about your process because you did explain to me like what you do generally as a costume concept artist, but mm -hmm. I'm interested even going back to the very beginning of how like a job starts? How does a concept begin? What are the things you need to know about this character that enables you to start drawing? I mentioned I have to have the research. So I have the research, for example, of what the character looks like in the comic books, what the designer wants the character to look like now. And then I need to know, is it a good guy or a bad guy? Where is he? Is he like in this scene that I'm illustrating? Is he about to die? Is he cheating? Is mm. he in love? Is I have to know where he is emotionally and physically. And then I have to just sit. I'll spend hours. The designer will come and be like, got anything? I'm like, not yet. <laughs> just. And sometimes it'll be days where I'll just sit there and just stare at, at it. And there's something has to click in me something has to click to where it all can start and then it just spews out yeah and i never know quite what it is sometimes it's all right there that they, they basically hand it to me and then sometimes it's just not there and i'm just not feeling it what do you do you literally sit there and stare or do you go for a walk or a <laughs> run or do you i don't know i surf the web i surf yeah. the web for what inspires me like i just did an archer so they gave me everything, but it just wasn't there. And so I just started Googling Archer. And, and I think about the luxury we have now to just Google things. Right. Whereas, remember the dictionary? Yes. <laughs> Encyclopedia <laughs> <imagine>? Britannica. <laughs> yeah. What would I have done with that one little picture of an archer in the dictionary? I would have had to actually go to some archery school or something and, and walked around. But now you can just do everything from the comfort of your your chair. You mean you didn't so shoot I, arrows off your off horseback when you were young? No, just to prepare for this drawing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just surf the web. That's what I do. And I, once I see it, then I'm off and running. And I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it. I mean, there's so much. Just to get kind of even a little bit more granular with that, have you worked with yourself to know, like, that process of going down rabbit holes in the web can be fruitful oh, or yeah. frustrating. But when you get good at it, you kind of like you pull threads and you know which direction you're going and you and you know you're on to something. How do you identify when you're on to something? You never know. I just keep Googling words that, well, maybe that word will get me to this word. And then, oh, I always hit more. It's like I'll put archery bracers and then I'll see one bracer that I really like. And then I'll click more 
So I just keep following this rabbit hole okay. and I just keep going and going and going. And if that gets me nowhere, I start doing weird words. And then I ask the other concept artists, if you guys are looking for great, you know, backgrounds, what do you look up? And this one concept artist said, look up wet cement. I'm like what? Wet cement? Oh my goodness. Wet cement. Greatest backgrounds. Ah, Because the it. light yeah. and the reflection. And so you, you have to like kind of find your way, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of everything that you need unfortunately which is kind of funny is there's so much porn on my computer i think if the cops came <laughs> they would they would take me away because every time i because i always have to do bodies and, <laughs> and bodies in motion so I'll, I'll google something like man without shirt or i was googling this morning i'm trying to get an image of the back of a pair of pants so the butt of a man like butt <laughs> like man turned around straight to porn it just always goes right to porn i think what do my kids see when they when they Google, you know, a good restaurant? It just goes to porn. It's like <laughs> everything I do, like, it ends up in porn, which is disturbing. It's very disturbing because <laughs> sometimes I have to take a moment and be like, okay, I can't believe I just saw that. <laughs> okay, no more Googling a man without shirt. Like, what? Yeah. It's crazy. It's funny. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always all over the place in, in terms of doing my research. I never know where I'm going, but I always seem to get there. Are you always working with character that's based in a comic? Or are you ever just coming up with something that somebody else dreamed up in their mind and there's no actual reference? Not yet. Always references. Mm. Even for movies, the characters are built. Mm-hmm. They exist. So I, I've done a lot of movies and like Malcolm X, I illustrated Malcolm X, he exists, you know, yeah. there's always they're always based in some sort of story, you know, or, yeah, there's a script. So no, I've never created anybody out of nothing. And I, that terrifies me. You created three I daughters thought. out of well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I did. <laughs> okay, so you also teach at UCLA. Yes. That must be, I mean, I've taught a little bit, just a little bit, but it's a very challenging, but also super fun and rewarding way to interact with youthful creativity and fresh ideas. Is that your experience too? Or uh, tell us about your teaching life. That first year when I came back into my career, I knew nobody knew I was back. And so I knew I had to do everything possible to be visible. So I was asked to teach at UCLA. A lot of us concept artists, it was an email that went out and I responded immediately. And what I wanted to do was say no. And I wanted to pretend I didn't get the email, but instead I responded immediately and said, yes, absolutely. I'd love, I'd love to teach. And I went in and they talked to me and they checked on my history and my schooling and Parsons past mustard. And so I, I started teaching at UCLA and what I taught in the beginning was life drawing and I turned it into a character life drawing. It's not just about line quality and values. It's about who are we drawing and what mood are we going to affect here in this drawing? What are we taught? What are we saying in this drawing? Because if you're going to be a concept artist, you have to know, you have to not only have the drawing talk about what the clothes are exactly and the, so that the workroom can read it, but also is a whole character in there. The way is, uh, the eyes are looking, the way they're standing, even the line quality, if it's heavy or light, it creates mood. So I started teaching that. And when I 
said yes and I started preparing to teach, I thought I have no memory at all about why I do what I do. So I had to I had to learn how to teach. I went in and looked up a whole bunch of drawing classes and researched how to teach illustration and and it all started coming started flooding back to me. So what I loved about the fact that I teach now is that it keeps me on my toes. Mm. I have to remember why values are so important, why line quality is important, why do we do what we do? What's a plumb line and and all of that. So it made me remember which made me a better artist. I really appreciate that part of teaching and then I met the students and fell in love with them. You know, you just, you create bonds and now a lot of them work in my office. So, you know, I, I forge bonds with some of them every year and, and bring them in. And I just love being around them, being around all their energy, the way they think they keep you young. You have, you have to stay young in, as we get older, especially if we want to be vibrant in our career, we have to be around young people because they always know what's going on. They always know the next thing. And as much as we want to believe that we do, we don't. We don't. <laughs> oh. We're so tired. I'm tired. <laughs> okay, so back to the entertainment business. It's notoriously mm-hmm. turbulent in terms of we already talked about working in bursts. But, you know, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of talk lately about things like inclusion writers and the pay gaps and workplace misconduct. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is that touching your aspect of the industry? And if so, what do you think are the main challenges and the way forward? It's not touching my department. I'm pretty sure that women are still not making the same amount as men in my industry. Mm -hmm. But I guess I'm in charge of raising my rates, you know, and feeling as though I deserve a higher rate. What I need to do, though, is continually educate myself because the digital world changes weekly and becomes more advanced weekly. And so if I want to compete, I have to take class all the time. It's my responsibility to be able to compete on that level. When I'm with the guys, we just did a job where there were three of us in the office and three concept artists, and it was two men and me. Where I kind of get twisted is they go home to either a wife cooking them dinner, a clean house, and the kid in bed, where I go home to my kids haven't eaten, and no one's around, and the house is a mess. Mm-hmm. So I I work, and then I come home, and I'm, I play another full-time role. And I get kind of frustrated when they say, why don't you have time to learn Daz Studio? And why don't you have time to learn ZBrush? And they scold me. And I know it's coming from a good place and they love me, but I want to just like shake them. So I'm struggling to find time to be everything and stay current. And it's really hard. It makes me, you know, want to cry again. I, yeah. That's tough. But but in terms of equal pay, it, it does exist. That still exists. That, that, that is not equal pay. But but if, if I keep learning, I can I can achieve that. It's my it's my job to achieve that. Well, OK, but you're making an assumption that you you're getting paid for your skill sets, which is true. Uh-huh. But are you if your skill sets are on par, 
with a male, are you both getting paid the same? Honestly, I'm not sure, but I would venture to say probably not. Okay. That's where the problem is. Yeah. I want to know what's next for you. What's uh, coming up? What are you working on? And also, what are you doing in your personal life that you're excited about? Any trips coming up? Okay, what I'm doing. Well, I, for the last year and a half, I've been working on five TV shows with Laura Jean, who's become an empire. She she has five rotating shows. And it's Stargirl and Titans and Doom Patrol and Black Lightning and The Boys. And so if I'm not on one show, I'm on the other, or I'm working tandem a couple shows. So I'm always creating characters for all these shows because every season there's new characters or someone has to change your clothes or or something. So it's what I'm hopefully going to be doing in, until I get my kids through college. I'm incredibly happy where I'm at. And it's it's almost unheard of because concept artists usually jump onto a project and we're on for six weeks to six months. And then we're off and we're moving on to the next one. Where this one is, because it's rotating, it shows rotating, it's indefinite till the designer decides she's done. This is where I am and this is where I want to stay, which is also very fet female because there's there the boy concept artists jump in and jump out. And they're like, oh, I've got a green pastures over there. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm digging right in here. I'm all comfy in my little chair and in my spot here. and Nobody can move me. And <laughs> we're, we, we dig in, you know, we dig in and we create a home. But those green pastures on the other side can just stay there. Well, you've seen them all on your so, horse, so you already you've you've been there, done that, and now you're like, I'm all about the nest. Yes, exactly. I've done that, so I'm very happy where I am. So that's that's my plan. I'm sending my three daughters to school in Italy for the summer, and then I'm going to meet them there, and I'm very excited about that. I'm I'm going to steal away for a week or two. Ooh, good for Italy you. Because we're an Italian family, so Italy is a big part of my life. I, I love Italy. I just happen to love the food too. But only in Italy. American Italian food is like, what? Oh, interesting. kind of heavy, unless you go to a really good restaurant, but that's what I've got coming. Is there anything specific you want our listeners to keep an eye out for that like a new season of something coming up or a new movie coming out specifically? Uh, the Boys is coming out in July, which looks like a lot of fun. And Stargirl is coming out the beginning of, of uh, the year in January, I think. And that also looks like it's going to be pretty fabulous. So those are my two projects that I'm working on that are about to air. Awesome. I'm really glad you told us about your process because I feel like I, I watch a ton of these kinds of movies and I always look at the costumes and I think that they're really awesome and well done. And I always wonder, like, is it CGI? Is it really a um, real costume? I don't know. And then now I feel like I'm going to be looking at every square inch of every oh. single costume and being like more appreciative of all the time oh. that is spent. So thank you so much for sharing oh, yeah. that. And oh, you're welcome. Can you get me you, one of those you know, body suits that has the muscles in it? Oh, the muscles <laughs> and and the butt. Yes, and a butt. They have this. I want a butt. They all have butts and boobs. Yeah, I want one with boobs. <laughs> oh, it's so funny because I'll walk in to draw on the the actor, and I'm drawing on them, and then I see them peel it off, and it's like, what just happened to your body? Because I won't realize 
because I'm not, I'm, you know, doing something else while they're getting <laughs> into their bodysuit. I won't realize, and I won't even see them walk in. So I don't know what their body is like until I walk into the room and, and see them in their, their suit. And there was this one girl, I thought, wow, she's got a great figure. And because she was perfectly proportioned and she got out of the bodysuit. I looked at the designer. I was like, good job. Oh, my goodness. She gave her like boobs and a butt and and perfect, just perfect. A little bit of thigh, you know, and she created her body. She just morphed it into something amazing where the girls never had to work out. So it's, it's fun. Yeah. I'm having lots of feelings about that. <laughs> Mixed emotions. <laughs> like how fun Unfortunately, how yeah, fun it would be to zip one on just for a day and try out a perfect body, but then uh-huh. also how that's just perpetuating our distorted version of beauty and what's real. But anyway, we're not gonna get into that now. <laughs> no, but but these are superheroes. So That's true. You... These are superheroes. Yeah, so yeah. it's not reality anyway, Amy. <laughs> no, and they have they have to have the balanced perfect muscles and the they have to have right because they came from a cartoon from a drawing yeah right exactly exactly and you have to honor the fans so yes i do hope though that comic books and characters will eventually start being more inclusive so that and i think the industry is getting there Anyway, I would love to um, direct our listeners somewhere so they could follow your work. Is there any other way to follow you? Do you have a website or uh, Instagram or anything? I have an Instagram illustrated by Gina. I never have time to post. So my daughter does it for me, which is I have hired my daughter to, <laughs> to be my social media manager. So she posts for me. So that's a way to follow me. Excellent. Well, the, and people can see your work in, in lots of movies, too. So. Yeah. Well, this has been super fun. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. It's been lovely. I really appreciate it. Love talking to you guys. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. To see images of Gina's work and read the show notes, click the link in the details of this episode on your podcast app or go to cleverpodcast.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. Subscribe to Clever on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would, please do us a favor, rate and review. It really does help other listeners find us. We also love to chat with you on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Clever Podcast. Clever is created, produced, and hosted by us, Amy Devers and Jamie Derringer, aka 2VDE Media, with editing by Rich Straffolino and music by L1011. Clever is proudly distributed by Design Milk. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.